Thanks, Naya. 12 noon, this is the Midday Live on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, 104 to 107. Welcome to your Thursday edition. My name is Bongi Kuala. We're together with you till 1 o'clock this afternoon. Top stories, mine workers at Tumela Mine near Northam in Limpopo are on uh, the second day of their underground sit-in. We speak to uh, the workers' representative there. And we talk to the CCMA. This is the Labor Union, AMCO and Lonmin Mine Management are meeting today to discuss AMCO's recognition as a majority union at Lonmin. These and other stories coming up shortly, but first, let's say good afternoon to Asanda Matsaunyan with the news at 12. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Good afternoon, Bongi. Thank you. AMCO wants transformation in Tumela Mine Management and Obama announces the forced resignation of IRS Commissioner. That's in the news this hour here on SAFM. The chairperson of health and safety for AMCO, Chenolo Magaulane, at Tumela Mine near Northern in Limpopo, says they need to see transformation in management. Magaulane says they are not treated equally and management does not want to meet workers' demands. On the bonuses and the development of the black artisan and assistant, where they only developing the white people, you are the one who forcing them to come out to sit around the table to negotiate with them. Mine workers at Tumela are on the second day of their underground sit-in. Another group has been on a sit-in for three days already at the East Five Shaft. The miners say they have not received any bonuses for the past seven years. They say they won't go to the surface until their demands are met. The miners are mostly from the engineering department. The Public Protector's Office says it will request access to the report into the Gupta aircraft landing saga. Over two weeks ago, a privately chartered aircraft landed at the Vatatglov Air Base in Pretoria, carrying wedding guests for the Gupta family. Cabinet is said to be considering the report from a probe into the unauthorized landing at a national key point. Public Protector Spokesperson Kalalelo Masibi. The public protector intends to request access to the report that was produced by the task team of Directors General so that she can be fully informed of the terms of reference, the scope of the investigation, as well as the remedies proposed, if any. The information will place her in a better position to conclude the assessment process and to exercise her discretion whether or not to investigate. Meanwhile, the DA has welcomed the public protector's request to access the report. The DA's David Mayne says this is a step in the right direction. The public protector has now reverted to me. She has uh, informed me that she has completed an uh, provisional assessment of the case. She has found that the matter does fall within her mandate, but she is going to request a copy of the final report of the investigation so that she can make an assessment of the report and then make a final decision about whether she will investigate Gupta Gate. DA leader in the Western Cape, Ivan Meas, has joined a group of protesters outside the Western Cape High Court in opposition to the SA Roads Agency's intention to toll sections of the N1 and N2 highways in the Cape Winelands. The city of Cape Town has brought an urgent application for Sunral to provide all information pertaining to the proposed tolls. He says road users are already paying for road maintenance through the fuel levy and that toll roads would just put added pressure on poor communities like Kailicha, Mitchell's Plain and Belleville. 
Overseas, U.S. President Barack Obama has announced that the Acting Commissioner of Internal Revenue Service, Steve Miller, has been forced to resign over the targeting of conservative groups for extra scrutiny. A Treasury investigation has found that the IRS has used inappropriate criteria when considering conservative groups that have been seeking tax-exempt status. President Obama says the findings have angered him. I've reviewed the Treasury Department watchdog's report and the misconduct that it uncovered is inexcusable. It's inexcusable and Americans are right to be angry about it and I am angry about it. I will not tolerate this kind of behavior in any agency but especially in the IRS given the power that it has and the reach that it has in all of our lives. Recapping the top story, the chairperson of health and safety for AMCO, Chenolo Magaulane, at Tumelamai, near Northern in Limpopo, says they need to see transformation in management. For SAFM News, I'm Asanda Matsaunyane, headlines at 12.30. Over to you, Bongi. Thank you very much, Asanda. It's uh, six minutes past 12. This is Midday Live on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Well, the Pan-African Chief uh, Executive and Chief Economist, Iraja Bidian, says uh, South Africa needs to find new ways to settle industrial disputes in order to restore the country's overall global reputation. He says the frequently violent and prolonged strikes are negatively impacting foreign investment while choking the already fragile economy. Yeah, is it making sense? I think so. But also another story that is very interesting coming through here from uh, our newsroom is that uh, sex workers in Johannesburg are demanding fair rights to operate within their industry. The Commission for Gender Equality says it has embarked on an investigation into how the law affects sex workers. Uh, It has uh, discovered that uh, the current laws uh, which uh, criminalize sex work in South Africa have failed sex workers and perpetuates abuse uh, of their constitutional rights. you make of that. Uh, 34701 is our SMS line. We welcome your SMSs. Uh, but also uh, another email, very interesting here, coming from Sigin Renberg. Uh, of course, I challenged him to send it again. It makes a, a lot of sense uh, when uh, reading it uh, the surface, but uh, I don't know if you agree with it. Uh, Sikh says uh, the strikes, murders and assassinations at Marikana are much more than a rivalry between uh, two trade unions. There is a third force which uh, threatens not only COSATU, but uh, the entire ANC-COSATU-SACP alliance and uh, the survival of uh, South Africa as a democratic nation. He says uh, the third force has even registered a political party. I'm not going to read the name of that political party, but uh, clearly funded by the International Socialist Movement, which is uh, sabotaging our economy and uh, putting hundreds of thousands of workers into unemployment by demanding an unaffordable minimum wage of 12,500 rand a month in order to foment a neo-Bolshevik uh, 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 revolution. That's what uh, uh, Sikh says. So what do you agree with that? Uh, that uh, in uh, the Marikana Platinum Belt there, there is a third force operating there, 3470 is the number that you can SMS us to. It will cost you two rand. To our top story at this hour, mine workers at Dumela Anglo Platinum Mine in Northam in Limpopo are on the second day of their underground sit-in. Another group has been on a sit-in for three days already at the East Five Shaft. The 
miners say they have not received any bonuses for the past seven years. They say they won't go to the surface until their demands are met. The miners are mostly from the engineering department. For more on this now, we joined on the line by the workers' representative from AMCO, Tenolo Mkhaulane. Mkhaulane, good afternoon to you. Afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm all right. Why are you staging this sit-in? Sorry, sir. I'm saying, why are you underground? Why are you not coming up to the surface? No, no, no. As Amco, let me clear that one first. As Amco, we are not sitting underground. All the employees from all the three, you know, so Wasa and them are underground. What happened is, initial management they didn't conduct it correctly. They didn't involve the unions. They the the previously got the meeting with the employees not involved in the unions. Then, since from Thursday, they got the meeting with the, the employees. On Monday, they make an appointment with the employees to, uh, to address the issues of, of the bonuses. They failed to give them their positive results. It's where then the employee and management, they, they differ. The employee, they took a result, they, they go to sit underground. It's when yesterday management started to phone us. On Monday, they started to phone us to tell us about the, that situation. In terms of the era of this company... Uh, okay, before you, you continue, before you continue, say, I'm, I'm trying to understand. I think the line is, is quite terrible, so I'm battling to hear you. So you're saying who is uh, staging a sit-in? We hear that there's a group of workers underground uh, yes. on the second day. Another one has been sitting there for three days. Who is uh, uh, not coming up to the surface? The, the employee. Others is a member of the AMCO, others is a member of the others is a member of what? Then the problem is that the management didn't involve the stakeholders in that in that issue. We started to be involved when the employee refused to come around where then we received the call that no, we have the meeting with the employee but we didn't reach the consensus. Then mm. the employee take a decision that they will remain underground. Then we, when we check with the management so, but 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 who are you representing? I'm just trying to uh, to, to make you, you're representing Amco and you're representing the workers who are underground. Who are underground? All right. As we come there to intervene them because it really is a problem there. We see that we cannot run away with the problem because the reason the people are underground. And 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 what are the issues? The issue is the bonus issue, the racial issue. That is the, that one is the main issue. Whether the the, 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 the stock services and artisan of the blacks who are not being developed, but the white people are only developing this in this company. Mm. Then they, they cable to the management in the previous meeting where the stakeholders was not involved. Okay. We started to hear yesterday when we start to arrive underground, then to get all the crisis of the the the, 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 the employee underground. But have you been uh, engaging mine management on uh, on this issue? Particularly, you say the, the racial issue is, uh, is the most problematic one. But have you spoken to to management? We spoke to them several times about the issue of the racial, but uh, they don't see anything to commit themselves that they're going to change. What What do you want them to do? For now, as we say to them, as we went to underground yesterday, the employee give us the mandate saying, you know, for now we don't have a problem. As a union, we are involved now. We can give you a demand. Only thing that we need from you as a union, we can go to the management, we can come out underground. Only when they commit themselves that they are not going to charge us. That's the demand we get from the, 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 the employees.
then we will cable to the management now. As we speak now, we are in the, in the middle of the meeting with the management. All right. The issue of bonuses, if they say to you, well, it's been uh, seven years and no one has raised this issue, but also the, the, the racial issue that you're raising right now, they'll tell you we're dealing with it uh, and uh, maybe there's no commitment that you get. So are you going to continue uh, with your sitting underground and for how long can you sustain that? No, no. Uh, as AMCO, we are, we, we are willing to take them out because there, that issue was not on the table of the AMCO now. AMCO will deal with, with that issue correctly. What you are looking for now, you are just to management to commit themselves that they can. They are not, they are not going to charge those people. Then it's where then you can go underground. Is this so? So you're saying you'll deal with it correctly? How uh, right now? So you're suggesting that uh, you're not dealing with it uh, correctly? Is this a, a, a scare tactic? We are saying now, we are just saying needing money to commit themselves that they are not going to charge those people. We are willing to take you, go underground to take them out. Then that issue of the residential issue and bonuses, that's AMCO now, we are going to take it for, forward. Because initially it was not involved in the stakeholders. Then we are saying this issue, then we got it, we'll deal with it. Okay. All right, we got you. Thank you very much. Uh, that's Tsenolo uh, Mkhaulane. Uh, he is a worker representative from uh, AMCO, as you heard that uh, mine workers at uh, Dumela Anglo Platinum Mine in Northam in uh, Limpopo are on uh, the second day of their underground sitting. Another group has been uh, under there for the past uh, three days. Uh, that's uh, at the East Five Shaft. It's uh, 13 minutes past 12. <music> Our top story this hour, mine workers at Dumela are on uh, the second day of their underground sitting. Looking at the markets at this hour, gold is trading at $1,376 an ounce, platinum at $1,472.50 an ounce. The rand is trading at 9 rand 30 cents against the US dollar at 14.20 to the pound and 12 rand to the euro. Trimethyl aminuria is a condition that makes human sweat smell like putrefying fish. That's what Adam thinks as he winds down the windows of his car. And he's a real sweater, which is why he's decided to sell the car. So should you smell something fishy while viewing the used car options down the road, rather purchase a certified pre-owned Mercedes-Benz from us. Guaranteeing perks instead of unpleasant quirks. Visit mercedesbenz.co.za forward slash cpo for more. Join me, Hilton Tarrant, every weeknight at 6 for the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. With breaking business news, expert analysis, investment insights and the story behind the story, we're helping you make sense of the markets and your money. That's the Market Update, weeknights right here on SAFM at 6. Let's stay with the mines, but go to the northwest now, where platinum producer Lon Min says 86% of workers in Marikana have reported for the morning shift. This after a two-day unprotected strike, which forced Lon Min to temporarily shut down its 13 shafts. The AMCO-affiliated workers are demanding that Lon Min shut down rival union NUM's offices immediately. For more on this now, we're on the line to our reporter, Patrick Dintra. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Bongi. 86% of workers back at work at Marikana. Does this sound just about right? Definitely, uh, Bongi, it is correct. Uh, since yesterday afternoon, uh, after the uh, meeting with the AMCO leader, uh, Joseph Matunga, workers have started to report uh, for duty, particularly the night shift uh, 
a group reported last night after six o'clock. Uh, one can confirm that even this morning uh, we saw buses uh, ferrying workers back to work. We are told also that uh, the afternoon uh, shift will also uh, report uh, for duty today. Uh, what I can confirm is that yes, over 80%, according to the loan to the management, has reported for duty. The 20% that we are told has not yet, uh, you know, reported uh, is that just those that normally when uh, this. Uh, Workers are embarking on strike. Some people, because of fear, they are going home. Like people who are staying from Lechtenberg, people are staying from uh, the Eastern Cape, they go back home. So I'm told those are the ones that uh, are not uh, present. But uh, they, uh, it, is, it is believed that uh, now that uh, workers are, have reported for work since yesterday, mm. they'll be coming today. So it means tomorrow uh, 100% will be back at work. So they go back to work. Why? Because there's uh, some kind of an assurance that uh, Noom offices will be uh, shut down there? Uh, remember, uh, uh, Bongi, uh, the, the bone of contention here with regards to uh, the crisis at, at, at Lonmin uh, for the past two days uh, is the issue of the uh, recognition agreement. So what uh, uh, the AMCO president told the crowd yesterday is that uh, they should allow uh, uh, the process of the CCMA to unfold. They should give that space. They should give that space uh, to check whether are they going to come up with something positive today. So, in, in a nutshell, uh, the strike has been suspended temporarily, according to my understanding. All right, so that will be to give uh, uh, the talks a chance, really, to, to pan out and come up with the concrete resolutions. As, we, as we've reported, that uh, AMCO loan mean management and uh, the CCMA are meeting today to discuss AMCO's recognition as a majority union at the mine. Exactly, and that's, that's just the mandate that uh, the workers have given the, their leadership yesterday, and that's the understanding of, of yesterday's meeting. All right, uh, we thank you very much. Uh, that's uh, our reporter there, Patrick Dintra, uh, in uh, the northwest, and of course saying that 86% of the workers back at work, and uh, also the mine there, uh, Lon Min and mine management saying that indeed 86% back at work. So it's uh, it's quiet there at the moment. And the uh, Amku Lon Min management and uh, the CCMA are meeting today, of course discussing Amku's um, uh, recognition as the majority union at uh, the mine. We hope to talk to uh, CCMA uh, just after half past 12 to get a sense of. Uh, uh, really what is being discussed there. Let's stay with that story. It has emerged at the Marikana Commission of Inquiry this morning that uh, the police services had no enough video cameras of their own to record the events at Marikana last year during the illegal strike which led to the killing of 44 people. This comes as the partnership between Lonmin and uh, the police is being put on the spotlight by human rights lawyer Nogukanya Jele on her cross-examination of police witness uh, Major General Shah Anandale. Anandale confirmed to the commission that uh, he is definitely sure that uh, Lon Min did borrow police video cameras. Jele has put, has put it to Anandale that uh, police failed to record some of the incidents because in some instances they depended on uh, their pocket books. Itumene Khajane reports. Human Rights Commission lawyer Nokukanya Jele has put it to police witness Major General Charles Anandale that police officials who were at Marigana last year during the illegal strike might have struggled to know who would be in command. Jele says she understands that Northwest Deputy Police Commissioner William Mbembe was giving orders during the whole operation 
but was not present at the scene in many instances as he had to attend negotiations with the mine and other stakeholders to seek a speedy resolution to the standoff. Anandale has however told the American Commission of Inquiry that there was no communication breakdown at any point as he would give orders when Mpembe was not around or Mpembe would always be on the phone with them. Anandale says on the 16th of August neither he nor Mpembe were present at the scene when 34 mine workers were killed in clashes with the police. However, he says they were communicating with the police from where they were. He says he, however, did not give orders on the 16th, as it was only Mpembe who was giving orders then. A video clip was played in which Brigadier Khalids was briefing the police officers on the 16th of August, telling them that he understands that the expelled ANC Youth League leader Julius Malema will be coming to Marigana. The aim was to reclaim the copy, and that to him was not going to happen. At that time, Khalis told the officers to consider their own safety and that of the residents of Marikana who wanted to go to work at different places. And uh, that report by Itumeleng Khajan at 21 minutes past 12. This is a midday live on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Police have confirmed that they are investigating the murder and rape of a 20-year-old woman uh, who uh, in Solendem, or rather a woman uh, in Solendem over the weekend. Anna-Marie Bukes was found on an open field on Saturday naked and wrapped in a blanket. Police spokesperson Fred- Frederick van Veek says that the woman appeared to be intoxicated and could not provide the police with a statement. From the, more on this now, we are on the line to our reporter, Segri Chechi. Uh, good afternoon to you, Segri. Good afternoon to you and the listeners. All right, uh, talk to us about uh, this, uh, this issue right now. Police saying that uh, uh, the woman appeared to be intoxicated, but the bottom line, she was raped. Well, that's, that's what uh, people are saying, but although in, in a statement released by Western Cape Police, they also say that... Um, they haven't determined if she was raped yet. But basically, um, uh, Anna-Marie Dierkes was, was 20 years old, and uh, she was found naked in, in a field just after midnight on Saturday the 11th. Um, witnesses say they heard screaming, and uh, a few of them ran to the field behind their house and to see what was going on. They also reported that they saw a man running away from the scene. So what they did was they, they got a torch and they went to investigate. Upon further investigation, they found the victim naked in the field. So that's when they called police and an ambulance. Uh, she was taken to a local hospital and later on she was transferred to a hospital in Worcester where she actually died from uh, complications, they say, from pneumonia. Mm. Uh, but this uh, is drawing a lot of uh, similarities uh, from from that uh, gruesome murder also of uh, anand poisons, doesn't it? Yes, of course. It is actually very similar to the anand poison uh, uh, murder in that uh, both these victims were were raped and uh, actually left to die. And the community, uh, like I say, um, I've spoken to witnesses. They are outraged by this murder. This is actually a very small town, Swellendam, um, mostly farming uh, community, and this murder has really uh, shocked them. And they themselves have actually spoken about the Anin uh, Boysen murder, 
in the Das Dorp and say they can't believe that it's actually happened in their community. Right, uh, thank you very much uh, to our reporter, Secretary there. It's uh, 24 minutes past uh, 12. Let's uh, go now to uh, Pumla Williams. She is the acting spokesperson for government, really to get a regular cabinet uh, briefing. Uh, good afternoon to you, uh, Pumla. Good afternoon, sir, and uh, good afternoon to the listeners. A whole lot of uh, issues that uh, we want to touch on, but uh, let, let's start with, uh, obviously, uh, the, the, the burning issue, as it were. I know all of them are, but uh, the, the uh, government saying that it has no intention of keeping the findings of an investigation into the unauthorized landing of a civilian aircraft at the Vatterkloof Air Force Base under wraps. Uh, did that come out today? Uh, yes, thank you very much. I, I think I, I would start by maybe clearing that because you correct that the cabinet did touch on a number of things. But just to get to the, the Waterproof Air Force Base issue, the, you will recall that the media briefing on the 3rd of May where the ministers presented to the nation uh, that what they have been able to establish as a preliminary and in that media briefing, they then committed to say they have assigned a, a number of DGs to actually do further investigation and that uh, further information should be completed within the next seven working days. And that seven working days ended on the 14th of May. And the subsequent statement that was issued uh, by the cluster ministers was to the effect that, yes, the DGs have committed have met their deadline, they have submitted their report uh, to the ministers, and the ministers are currently studying the, the report, and thereafter they will be calling a media briefing pretty soon. They have appealed to the South Africans and to the media to actually have confidence in this process and exercise a bit of patience, but they will be coming back to report on what the findings were, you also will recall that when they briefed on the 3rd of May was that we want to get to the bottom of it, but importantly, we want to also ensure that this kind of an incident never, ever happens again. Okay. So there is still that commitment. All right, let's stay with that just a little bit uh, here, Pumla, because uh, a newspaper report, a headline reads, Gupta Gate report a political hot potato. Uh, some DGs who were there allegedly leaked some of the information to the media. Does that concern you a great deal as government? As far as I'm concerned, I'm not aware of any hot potato the ministers have confirmed that they have received the report. I haven't seen the report because it's not my report. The ministers have undertaken to come back to the nation and report. At this stage, the issue of saying it's a hot or not, it doesn't even arise. Okay. Because they have made the commitment that they will come back to the nation and, and report. All right, let's move on now to uh, other positive news because I think that also gets discussed in, in Cabinet. Let's talk about the developments about traveling in South Africa. We, we, we're now moving uh, towards smartphones uh, being used to travel, to check in, to check in a flight, a hotel, and uh, set uh, temperatures in your room and so on and so on. A very positive step. Please tell us more about this. Yes, uh, I think it is a positive story in South Africa. It is a project that has been in the pipeline from the Department of Home Affairs. A number of South Africans will appreciate that they've been, in one way or the other, been victims of fraudulent IDs. South Africa has finally in, uh, announced the piloting of the Smart ID card 
that will be rolled out or, uh, uh, to be concluded by 2020. But I think there are some uh, departments, that, uh, offices of home affairs that have been identified that are starting the process of rolling it out. But the important thing that we would like to say to South Africans is that this can only be a success if all South Africans support it they have to actually go through the, the, the rollout plan as actually presented by the Home Affairs. But the other important news that were appreciated by Cabinet is the Memorandum of Understanding that has been signed between South Africa and Vietnam uh, on, on the biodiversity conservation and protection. You will also appreciate also the significance of this Memorandum of Understanding is our whole war around the issue of rhino poaching. Mm. And you will know that uh, Vietnam is one of the markets that is actually being used. So this Memorandum of Understanding is also enhancing some of our intervention strategies of stamping the scourge of rhino poaching. All right, Pumla, you have uh, 30 seconds. Uh, Please give us uh, another positive uh, discussion by Cabinet. Uh, certainly, uh, the, the, one of the other posi- positive stories that we would really want to share with the, with, with the public is the meeting between the Deputy President Mutlantuik, accompanied by a number of ministers, uh, to the Dorans as a follow-up. I think you will recall when the incidents of unrest in the farming area uh, sprout, I think there was a commitment in government in trying to get every issue being dealt with. This was the follow-up. And I think there is an appreciation of the commitment that has been demonstrated by all the parties that were involved in, in, in trying to change the conditions of the workers in the farming area. I think it is a milestone, and I think we're looking forward in the, the spirit of, of the commitment by all the parties in resolving the matters of, of, of conditions of the farm workers. All right, Pumla, I guess the cabinet uh, has got no business uh, congratulating Kaiser Chiefs for winning the 2012-2013 Premier League, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's, it's okay for me to actually congratulate them. On behalf of government. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we thank you very much. Pumla Williams speaks on behalf of government. At 12.30, it's time for the news headlines with Asanda Matsawinyan. Thank you, Bongi. Good afternoon. Anglo-Platinum miners are threatening to shut down all operations at three shafts in Rustenburg next week if Amplats goes ahead with its plans to retrench 6,000 workers. The Pan-African Chief Executive and Chief Economist Ira Jabidian says South Africa needs to find new ways to settle industrial disputes in order to restore the country's overall global reputation. He says the frequently violent and prolonged strikes are negatively impacting foreign investment. And the oil company BP has warned that it may be irreparably harmed by the high level of compensation awarded to businesses. These businesses claim that their livelihoods and health had been damaged by the oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico in 2010. These are the headlines here on SFM. <laughs> Details at 1 o'clock. You're thinking about Jesus, I'm thinking, why are they only talking now? This happened in 2010, and now they're complaining that their livelihoods and health has been damaged. <laughs> you know? All right, I thought you were, <laughs> you were thinking about Kaiser Chiefs. It happened last night. Come on. <laughs> Look, we're still celebrating. It yeah, happened we're last not going to stop celebrating. <laughs> you must just get used to it. Chiefs supporters. <laughs> Gosh. Thank you very much, Asandamasanyan. We'll see you at 1 o'clock. Nancy Richards, please say less about Chiefs for now, at least. Are you on the line? What's coming up between 1 and 2 I'm this right afternoon? Here. I'm right here. Okay, <laughs> let me tell you what we've got coming up between 1 and 2. 
going to be talking about single parent families. Uh, a woman, we're talking to a woman who's done her PhD and done four years of research onto mother only families. Before that, we're going to be speaking to the new female head of Oxfam. She's from Uganda. She was in Cape Town recently for the World Economic Forum. And we'll also hear how second-hand cans can be creative. So that's what we got. Do join us if you can. It's right after the news at one. Thanks for me. Thank you very much, Nancy. Let's read some of your SMSs, plenty of them, and the, the, the issue really is that the third force operating in the uh, platinum belt in the northwest. I start with this one. Uh, it comes from, ooh, I'll see. I agree with Sig. Remember there was a white socialist woman at the Kopi uh, at Marikana who was uh, fermenting the unrest last year. That woman has uh, connections with uh, the Central European Socialist Parties. Uh, the, continu- the continuing Maria- Marikana Commission must include this woman in their investigations. This one is unsigned. Uh, News, if all the third forces we had since uh, the 1970s, we must be on the 300th force, Alfie, in Palabora there. This one comes from Brian uh, Kumalo and Peter Maritzberg. So far, there is uh, no third force. Uh, In principle, if AMCO is a majority, surely they must occupy offices as NOM would do so if it was a majority. That's Brian and Peter Maritzberg. This one comes from uh, Tsepo called Freemont. Sumi saying, Marikana, that's very true. There is indeed a third force behind this. The aim is to weaken Noom, harm Kosato, and paralyze the ANC and destroy our economy. Coming from uh, Tsepo there. And uh, this one says, I totally agree with SIG. There are third force elements who are busy trying to destabilize the mining industry. They will form unions like uh, your AMCUs of this world who fight unions like Noom. I know uh, for a fact that Noom send their shop stewards for training in how to negotiate and other skills of leadership. Is Amku doing that? Uh, I doubt it. That's uh, Vusi in uh, Emma Lasseni there. And let's read another one coming from Vusi now in Cape Town. How can you publish uh, the rape victim's name? All right. Uh, I think it's out in the open already. Uh, Vusi there. And uh, this one, ZZL. ANC Cosato Alliance must accept that uh, they have lost uh, the battle in Marikana. We must stop fighting with uh, everybody if conditions are not favoring us. And uh, this one, again, uh, Tsepo writing, poor mine workers at Marikana are not even aware that they are being used by prophets of doom to achieve their political goals of weakening the ANC and its uh, its alliance and uh, rendering our government ungovernable. All right, uh, just uh, some of uh, your SMSs coming through there. In fact, uh, sparked by a Sikh who said, sent us an email saying that uh, there is a third force operating in uh, that area there. It's uh, 25 minutes to one. Uh, more than 30 people have been arrested in uh, Amsterdam, Pumalanga, between uh, last night and this morning in relation to the violent service delivery protest underway in the area. Residents have set alight municipal offices, a town hall, vandalized a local councillor's house and looted from shops owned by foreign nationals. The number of uh, police deployed in the area has been increased. Vusitwala reports. There's only one thing that you're going to done. You bring 45 houses. I'm asking now, about several years, 19 years ago, you are going to bring now 45. Uh, since 1994, we have got a poor service delivery. Uh, we don't have enough toilets. We don't have enough electricity. We don't have even a single house for RTP houses since from uh, 1995 until 2013. Uh, uh, there we, we are drinking the water together, together with the cake. We don't have even a single tap. 
all the community there that are suffering, the people they used to get chorella because of water. Protesters in Amsterdam, what nine of them condo local municipality, highlight their grievances. The residents say they have decided to ban the satellite offices of the Mkondo local municipality because it has not been able to address issues of service delivery. Amsterdam is the second town under the Mkondo local municipality to embark on violent protest. Residents of Tandugukanya in Pitritif started protesting last weekend, demanding service delivery. More than 90 violent protests have been experienced in Pumalanga between the 1st of April 2011 and the 5th of March 2012, while the country has experienced a total of 1,091 violent protests. But Mpumalanga's MEC for Safety and Security, Vusi Shongwe, says some protests like those in Petritif and Amsterdam have elements of criminality. We are promising that uh, as the country, we are not going to leave any stone unturned together with SAPS. SAPS are there, different units are there, they're going to make sure that the place uh, go back to its normality. Uh, we can't be ruled by few uh, individual criminals who are hiding behind the service delivery. The Mpumalanga provincial government has sent a team of four MECs to attend to the residents of Mkondo local municipality. Amongst them is the MEC for the Department of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, Simon Skosana. Skosana says they are now beginning to suspect that there are politics involved in these protests. He says the residents of Mkondo local municipality need to be patient since government has already started with major development programs in that area. The issues that I've highlighted are genuine, but those are just those issues. Over and above everything that we're saying, the Honorable Premier has made it his own baby. That uh, one of the best, in fact, is the best built uh, boarding school in Bumalanga uh, through the CRD program is in this area. A number of roads through that program is in this area. And at Donkerhook, there are units which have been built through the CRDP program. Now, uh, it's not, it can't be correct that there's no service delivery in Mkondo in general. What, what we, I think we are suspecting, there are other underlying causes which are not related to service delivery. The Democratic Alliance in Pumalanga has in a statement accused Premier David Mabuza of not being able to maintain order within his organization. Amvusi Twala for SAPC News in Amsterdam, Mpumalanga. Let's go to Cape Town now and say good afternoon to our reporter Vanessa Puna. An urgent application brought by the city of Cape Town against the South African Roads Agency Limited is being heard in the Western Cape High Court. The city is seeking an order to prevent Sunrun from taking any steps to implement the proposed N1 and 2 Winelands Toll Highway project pending the final determination of the city's review. Vanessa, first, outside the court, there was a protest there. Just talk us through that. Yes, uh, a group group of uh, DA supporters protested outside the Western Cape High Court this morning um, in solidarity with the city of Cape Town's uh, urgent application against Sandal. Some of these commuters um, say that the imposition of the tolls will uh, severely affect them, the poorest of the poor who can ill afford any more possible increases in taxi fares, etc., if these tolls should um, go ahead and and come into place. Uh, We also spoke to the leader of of the Democratic Alliance, here in the Western Cape, who's also supporting this action, saying that um, 
poor townships like Kailicha and Mitchell's Plain will be the most affected if the N1N2 Wineland Stalp Highway Project go, um, goes ahead. So at the moment, we are at court, um, and inside court, lawyers for the city um, are arguing uh, why the city, um, or rather why the court should firstly grant them the uh, inter, uh, urgent uh, interdict against the uh, project to go ahead, um, also claiming that they have not been um, at this stage uh, given all the documentation pertaining to cost, etc., from Sandrail. Mm, and then inside the courtroom, what uh, transpired? The, the, the court is back to capacity with interested parties, and uh, we expect that Sandrail will tomorrow bring their argument across. Uh, court is still hearing from uh, lawyers from the city of Cape Town in opposition to the implementation of the, of the toll uh, uh, highways. Um, interesting enough, we spoke to Mr. Busi Mona from the from Sandrail earlier on, who said that um, tolling of roads is government policy, um, and that uh, independent studies and research um, has shown that there is a need for tolling in the Western Cape because the province has uh, the second highest um, level of road congestion in the country. He's also um, uh, denied claims by the city of Cape Town that they were not given all the information and documentation relating to the project itself. But who made presentations today? Um, today it was the city of Cape Town bringing um, the argument. Uh, we expect uh, Sandal to, to, to um, answer to those arguments tomorrow and um, possibly by tomorrow afternoon or even on Monday we expect an outcome in this matter. But at the heart of uh, the city of Cape Town's uh, uh, arguments, uh, what was top? So the heart of the, of the city of Cape Town's argument is that the processes followed by Sandra were illegal, and that is exactly what they're wanting to test in this court application, and also some of the socioeconomic reasons why the city is opposed to the implementation of power roads in the Western Cape is that it could have an adverse effect um, on, firstly, the economic, um, key economic sectors, such as um, areas in the Breda River Valley, in the Tiavata School of Municipality, as well as the Darkenstein, but more so um, poor impoverished communities uh, could be suffering if the N2, N1, N2 um, uh, toll highway project gets underway. That is the thrust of the City of Cape Town's opposition to this project. Vanessa Punao, reporter, will talk to you again tomorrow. Thank you very much uh, for that update. Uh, let's change focus now. Japan's economic uh, uh, economy rather surprised on the upside this morning. It grew at a faster than expected at not 0.9% in the first quarter ending March. This is uh, the second straight quarter expansion driven by private consumption as uh, the government's aggressive economic policies start to take hold. The country's official data shows that uh, growth in uh, Japan surpassed the United States expansion for the same quarter. Reports. Analysts say Japan's first quarter GDP performance is proof that the sweeping stimulus by the country's government is beginning to rise consumers and businesses into action. The 0.9% growth from January to March translated into an annualized increase of 3.5%, surpassing the U.S.'s 2.5% expansion. Head of law says that Net Bank Capital, Bridget Taylor, says the weaker yen has also helped Japan's exports. The currency is currently sitting at 103 yen to the dollar, um, and which does help their exports quite significantly. 
um, and also makes for good business and obviously helps with regards to uh, their, their GDP number. However, countries in the Eurozone have been battling to see any growth. The region's biggest economy, Germany, came in at a weak 0.1%. The latest GDP figures also show that countries like Hungary are starting to see some growth. The country's economy unexpectedly broke out of a recession in the first quarter, while Romania expanded faster than forecast. But some of their regional peers plunged deeper into longest downturns in decades. The region's been dragged back into double-deep contractions by the Eurozone debt crisis and the single currency area is faced with low demand for cars, electronics and other goods produced in the region. Governments there have put in austerity measures which seem to be stifling growth even further. The IMF says the euro area will see a negative growth of 0.3% this year and 1.1% in 2014. Head of fixed income and forest desk at informal global markets in London, Daniel Baker, says recovery has been elusive and has predicted weaker growth for some time to come. We're looking at a more prolonged period of yeah, contraction in, in most of most areas and, and uh, very, very weak growth in others. Reports in the region suggest that Germany wants further reforms in savings in crisis-hit Eurozone states. There's also been a call for Italy and France to work harder and faster to resolve their structural problems, failing which some are saying the ECB should stop buying Italian government debt. But Baker says this is not the way to go. It would actually hamper those economies in trying to put through the, the other reforms and implement all the, the changes with uh, uh, freeing up labour markets and making things more com- competitive. That would hamper all that process. Meanwhile, South Africa will see a growth of just below 3% this year. The IMF slashed South Africa's economic growth forecast for 2014 to 3.3% from 4.1% previously. Part of the reason for this is weak production in the mining sector and an even weaker demand from South Africa's key export destination, the Eurozone. Economists are expecting first quarter growth for the country to come in at 2.5%. Peter Atad Montalto of Nomura International says there was evidence of strength in the economy, but growth started falling back in the middle of March. So I think we may well see a, a similar number to Q4 in year in year terms, so perhaps around 2.4, 2.5. But actually the weakness that may well come through more in, in the Q2 number, which may well actually dip back to around 2%. So Overall, I think the message really is the economy is growing very weakly. Nedbank Capital's Bridget Taylor says economic growth in South Africa remains under threat. The um, year-on-year number to be probably around 2% and potentially have an, uh, you know, a princess as close to the consensus of around 25 which was the previous number. For SABC News in Johannesburg, I'm Dimakazole Shoro. With that, we say good afternoon to Clinton Smith, uh, Portfolio Manager at Sasfin Securities. Uh, Clinton, how are the markets looking today? Good afternoon. Uh, well, the market's just holding in the green uh, with resources and the, the gold sector in particular pulling us, uh, pulling us down. Uh, our financials and industrials are trading slightly higher, though, uh, with the international markets a little firmer. Uh, at the moment, we've got the gold board down 3.1%. Uh, resources are down 0.3% of a percent. Uh, industrials up 1.9% and financials are up about 1%. Uh, overall, the market's up 346 points at the moment, or uh, eight tenths uh, higher, at 41,361. Company news today: we had uh, Omnia and uh, PPC coming out with uh, announcements. 
Uh, yes, well, Omnia came out with a trading update this morning. Uh, said that they expect headline earnings to be up by between 38 and 41 percent uh, when they come out with their with their full year report on on the 25th of June. And Omnia currently trading 2.2 percent higher at the moment at 164.13. Uh, and then PPC came out with uh, interim numbers, so reported uh, normalised earnings per share up by 4%, uh, with an interim dividend of $0.38 cents a share after PPC saying that they've uh, seen an increase in cement volumes across uh, South Africa and Zimbabwe. Uh, PPC currently trading 3.6% low at the moment, uh, 33.50. And uh, any big movers today? Uh, on the upside today, we've got Richmond. Uh, they're up 7.3% today uh, after they put out uh, results as well this morning, uh, trading at 85 rand uh, 11. Uh, Nasfers are up 2.9% at the moment, 719 rand. Uh, Capital and Counties up 2.4% at 48 rand 23. And uh, Nampak are up 2.4% at 38 rand. Uh, on the downside today, we've got uh, Sapi down 5.5% at 23 Rand. Uh, Harmony is down 4.9% at 37.09. Uh, Amplats are down 4.1% at 286 Rand 34. And then lastly, Anglo Gold is down 3.7%, trading 159 Rand. And uh, your latest market indicators? The indicators have got gold trading $1,372 an ounce, platinum is $1,471, Brent crude is currently $103.12 a barrel, Uh, yield on the R157 is currently 5.1%, and then finally we've got the RAND uh, trading 9.38 to the dollar now, uh, 12.06 to the euro, and 14.26 to the pound. And that's it from me. Thank you very much to Clinton Smith, Portfolio Manager at Southwind Securities. Seven million children in South Africa go to school every day without shoes. Join Flipper Friday movement in partnership with SAFM. Let's make a difference to a soul this winter by wearing a pair of flip-flops on Friday the 31st of May 2013. Purchasing a pair of flip-flops will afford an underprivileged child to own a pair of school shoes. To join the movement, go to www.flipflopfridaymovement.co.za. Gear yourself for 22 exciting regular Friday evening appointments because Nuit for Nuit is back. We're going to rock you again with brand new music challenges, bubbling contestants, brilliant guest artists and our red hot band. Kick off your shoes, phones off the hook, on with your music hats and come and sing, play and laugh along with us. See you every Friday evening at 7.30 on SABC2 for the usual fun and games associated with Nuit for Nuit. Can't wait. Kaiser Chiefs people, just stand by because I have a very special package from you, or rather for you, uh, put together by our person Gatler there. So just uh, stay tuned. After this, it's your turn. It's been eight years, I think. All right. Further afield, the UN General Assembly has passed a non-binding resolution condemning the Syrian government for human rights abuses. And the death toll in the country's conflict has now surpassed 80,000. The Arab-drafted resolution also welcomed the establishment of the National Coalition for Syrian Revolutionary and Opposition Forces that paves the way for a political transition. However, the document has been met with opposition from several countries, including South Africa. Despite their efforts, the resolution passed with 107 votes in favor, 12 against and 59 abstentions, including from South Africa. Showing Bryce Pierce reports. 
the draft resolution A-67-L63 is adopted. It was GA resolution number 5 since the crisis began in 2011 and a majority much smaller than on previous occasions with a strong pushback from Russia and Syria urging countries to vote no. Syria's ambassador Bashar Jafari. The draft resolution seeks to escalate the crisis and fuel violence in Syria by creating a dangerous precedent in international relations through attempting to legitimize providing weapons to the terrorist groups in Syria as well as to pass an illegal recognition of a certain faction of the external opposition as, and I quote, the legitimate representative of the Syrian people, end quote. But fellow Arab countries rejected this. Saudi Ambassador Abdallah al-Maulimi said voting for the text would be voting for freedom and rejected Syria's contention that the majority of the opposition in that country were terrorists. The 80,000 people killed who were the victim of violence in Syria were they all terrorists? If the government has killed 80,000 terrorists, terrorism would have ended all over the world. You have listened to, uh, to a clever attempt to divert attention from the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is that there is a people that wants to live, but it faces uh, the suppression of the military force facing them. But while a sizable number of countries agreed that the violence in Syria had to stop, they rejected elements of the text that were biased in favor of one party to the conflict. South Africa, which supported previous resolutions, raised questions around regime change through Ambassador Kingsley Mamabolo. It is interesting that the resolution seeks to contradict the very principles upon which this organization was established as contained in the UN Charter. It would be dangerous for us to bend the rules for the purpose of fulfilling narrow interests harbored by a few amongst us. Whereas we are aware of the need to address the Syrian crisis with the utmost agency, we also believe that there is a need to respect the principles that are the basis for relations among nations. South Africa said the resolution ignored the political window that a recent agreement between Russia and the United States to host an international conference on the crisis had offered. The document, though not legally binding, carries political and moral weight in the absence of Security Council resolutions that can be enforced. Sherwin Brightsby's SABC News, New York. It's a six minutes to one. This is a midday live on SAFM, South Africa's news and in Information leader, my apologies to Kaiser Chiefs fans. I didn't ask you, how are you feeling this morning? Kaiser Chiefs are the 2012-2013 Premier League uh, champions after playing to a one-all draw against Supersport United in their penultimate match of the season last night at the Peter Mukawa Stadium in Bolokwane. Yes, Amakosi indeed uh, needed a point uh, from uh, last match, uh, last night's match to end uh, speculation as to the destination of uh, the league title. Platinum Stars and Orlando Pirates were also in the running for the title for a while until last uh, weekend. Uh, but the writing was uh, always on the wall when uh, they both lost their games on Saturday. Pesting Katlo, far this report for us. 
The capacity crowd at the Peter Mukawa Stadium erupted into song with the deafening sound of Vuvuzela characterizing the celebrations as the referee blew the final whistle. Players danced and hugged after the Amakos had endured tense moments with Supersport United spending the final minutes of the match in a Chiefs half. With the team's level at one all, a goal by United would have meant the Chiefs would go into the final match on Saturday against the University of Pretoria, still needing a point to win the league. Players were relieved and overjoyed that their mission was complete. Chiefs captain Itumelankune says credit should go to everyone in the team. I think the first thing that came into mind when the referee blew the final whistle was that uh, this is my second league medal. Uh, the first one, 2004-2005 season. I mean, I won the, the, the league with the club, but uh, I wasn't pleased because I didn't get a chance to, to showcase my talent back then. We had great players <coughs> and they led us to, they led us to, to victory. But uh, this season... I mean, I got an opportunity to play all the games in the league and cups, and uh, to be—I mean—to be crowned the champion, it wasn't easy. But again, <laughs> credit must go to everyone. We all fought as a team. Celebrations started when Lusonolo Majoro scored for Chiefs minutes from the interval. Majoro and Parker have been the scorers of most of Chiefs' goals throughout the season. Both were in the team last season under previous coach Vladimir Vermezovich, although they were not as lethal. With Stuart Baxter in the stands after being sent off in the match against Ajax Cape Town, Dr. Kumalo was on the bench giving instructions to players. Kumalo says the change in personnel made all the difference. I think probably the change, the technical team, and also with Stuart making himself clear, I mean, head in terms of uh, he was not here to change any individual in terms of the game. If you are a good dribbler, he will allow you to do that, but for you not to do it to please yourself or individuals out there, but for the team to benefit. And also when we went for the preseason in Portuguese room, we made it clear this is how he wants the teams to play. Because if you don't have a plan, because teams are not the same, but his philosophy, he made it sure that most of the boys understand how he wants them to approach games. So I thought the preseason planning is the one that made us to be where we are today. Chiefs could have sealed the title earlier had they won against Ajax. The team will now look to end on a high against the investor of Pretoria on Saturday. Kune says a win will boost their confidence ahead of the Netbank Cup final against Supersport United on the 25th in Durban. Tomorrow we're travelling to Nelspreet. We're going to prepare for Saturday's game, uh, the last hurdle of the league, and uh, we need a win. Confidence booster ahead of the, the Netbank. Uh, one of the journalists said we haven't won a game I mean, in six, so I think this will be a turnaround for us. The title ends Chiefs' eight-year league trophy drought, and will make the team's fans happy after they spent the past two seasons as a laughing stock of the fans of rival teams. Pesinkatu, SABC News. There you have it. Uh, only two losses in 29 matches for Kaiser Chiefs. Uh, that's uh, really incredible. It's uh, two minutes uh, to close right now. Let's uh, look back uh, to our top stories. And, uh, of course, uh, we spoke to Pumla Williams. Uh, she speaks on behalf of government. And uh, we looked at uh, cov- government cabinet uh, briefings today, particularly on the Gupta issues. But just to get to the, the Waterproof Air Force Base issue, the, you will recall that the media briefing on the 3rd of May, where the minister presented to the nation uh, that what they have been able to establish as a preliminary, in that media briefing they then committed to say they have assigned a, a number of speeches to actually do further investigation. 
And uh, Vanessa Puna on an urgent application brought by the city of Cape Town against the Sunrals, uh, uh, rather Sunral, being heard in the Western Cape High Court. All right. We don't have uh, that clip. But uh, yes, that does it for your Thursday edition of uh, Midday Live here on SAFM. I think uh, Mark is still excited at Kaiser Chiefs winning the league. We shall meet again next week, uh, Monday, uh, from the team Mabubuluka and uh, Mandi Samkelu and uh, technical producer Mark Prela and senior producer Normaliza Mandela, executive producers uh, being Busisiwe Chane and uh, Obrusechi and myself, Bongikwala. Enjoy the rest of your listening right here on SAFM. There will be Nancy Richards between 1 and 2 with otherwise Ashraf Garda with the afternoon talk uh, from uh, 2 to 4. And uh, the team of Tsepiso uh, Makwetla uh, and Dashan Mudli comes in between 4 and 6 uh, with... Uh, PM Live, and uh, there is a sports rep, and of course your business rep between 6 and 7, and then uh, there is another talk between uh, 7 and 9 with uh, uh, Master Chaba there. Till then, enjoy the rest of your listening. Bye-bye.